the less a trooper or the less a police officer have to interact with the technology to make it work for them, the better and, and the better buy-in you get. It's time to rethink everything, to redo the rule book, to explore smarter ways to work and rediscover what's possible. It's time for a fresh take on how technology and creativity are changing the way work gets done. I'm Susan Campbell, and this is The Big Rethink. The Michigan State Police Department strives to bring transparency and accountability to its citizens, building trust between law enforcement and the community they serve. By outfitting police vehicles with essential law enforcement technology, they can efficiently respond to emergencies and ensure public safety. Advanced solutions such as dash cams, GPS, and real-time communication systems enable police officers to quickly locate and react to incidents, collect evidence, and effectively communicate with their team. On this episode of The Big Rethink, we speak with Captain Matt Bolger about how the Michigan State Police Department is using technology to bring the community together. Welcome to the show, Captain Bolger. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. So really exciting time about the intersection between law enforcement and technology. I'm so thrilled to have you here. And I was researching a little bit into your department and surprised at how large it is. Yes. Yeah, we have uh, about uh, 2,000 um, enforcement members and 1,000 civilian members. Uh, we're a full-service police agency, so we cover the entire state. What we do kind of depends on what the needs of the community are. Uh, you know, if the lo- there's a lot of local police departments that have sufficient resources, um, you know, we do a different thing in those areas. We provide a, a support role. And then in other areas, of the state where there really isn't any other law enforcement option, uh, we are the primary law enforcement agency. Okay. And Michigan is no small state. No, Michigan is pretty large. <laughs> we have a lot of water. Um, you can drive in Michigan uh, for almost 11 hours and never actually leave the state. So. Amazing. And so, you know, you mentioned the water. You have to have then marine We units. do. Uh, we uh, we don't have marine patrols okay. per se, uh, but we do have our uh, marine services team. Uh, we do uh, some stuff with the Coast Guard uh, gotcha. and we also do uh, body recoveries and that kind of thing. Oh, wow. Okay. It's no surprise the police officers have incredibly demanding jobs in a state with the diversity of landscape, especially when responding to emergencies. So in your opinion, what's the most difficult aspect of responding to calls? Is it getting to the scene on time, the right information, the dispatch? Is it all of the above? <laughs> it's it's all of the above. We are dispatched by the local uh, public safety answering points. So uh, you might have a post where there's three or four different counties and they have three or four different dispatch centers. So the troopers uh, need to have, you know, different CAD systems in their car and depending on where they're working uh, oh, at wow. that post area that day, uh, they might have to log in and log out of a different CAD system. Uh, so kind of keeping that open communication with those dispatch centers. And technology really should make the trooper's life easier. And that's kind of our focus is to what can we do to uh, to make the trooper's life easier uh, so that they can focus on serving the citizen or serving uh, you know, the resident or the sure. victim or, or anything. Yeah, but logging into multiple systems seems like that might be one of those barriers. Need it, to- it is. <laughs> uh, we we struggled to try and get a, a CAD-to-CAD communication, uh, and we have not been able to make that work. There's just too many differences in the different vendors. Well, what I understand about Michigan Police Department, they're outfitting the cars with some pretty cool technology in addition to multiple CAD systems. Can you describe what some of the additional technology is that's in a police vehicle? Yeah, so uh, about three years ago, a little over three years ago, we decided to really do a complete upgrade of our systems. It all started because we were going to get new in-car camera system. And the old way, the, the real old way when I first started in 1995, <laughs> uh, was 
there was a, a VHS tape and you'd have to take that tape no out. Way. Yes. At the end of the day and you'd put it in the file. And then if you had a case that you had to make a copy, you'd have to make a copy of that. Uh, oh, wow. Of that. And there's, so there's a lot of user interaction there. And um, as the systems have evolved, it evolved to SD cards. And so the trooper would have to take the SD card out of their camera at the end of the day, bring it in, give it to the sergeant who would upload it into the, the local um, computer at the post. So they would have copies of the information. And so we really tried to figure out, okay, how do we do this so that there's no user interaction on the part of the trooper? Um, you know, disks get lost, things get corrupted just because technology is technology. Right. And so we kind of looked and there were some options for Wi-Fi offloading. So you would have to pull into the worksite, have an antenna, and then the the car would offload to the Wi-Fi and then send the information off to uh, the data storage. That didn't really work for us because we we are so large and we have take-home cars. So to force people to come into the oh, work site yeah. for an hour to offload the video just didn't work. You know, with the CAD and everything else, the connectivity in the car, we needed to make sure that we had good internet connectivity. Whether you were in the Porcupine Mountains up in the Upper Peninsula or you were in Metro Detroit, you had to be able to communicate with the technology. So we really kind of looked and revamped. And so we put new modems in the cars, new antennas uh, on the cars to increase coverage. And the modems were uh, dual modems. So we have the one side for all of the police work side. And we call the other side the public side, but the public doesn't actually get it. Uh, <laughs> it's just off to the internet. And so what we did is we created a system where the in-car camera system is perpetually offloading that video on the public side while the troopers just driving around and doing their work for the oh, day. Cool. So they never have to interact with it other than when they, they mark the incident on the, the camera system, what kind of incident it is, you know, assign a complaint number to it or whatever. Once they're all done with their uh, documentation of it, then the video, we call it a trickle offload and it's just perpetually offloading and it still remains on the DVD drive or the right. DVR on the car. And then once the system gets a handshake and says, yes, we have the complete offload, then the car will delete that off the car. So now we have the video. And we've had um, incidents, pursuits where the post commander, because it is cloud storage now, uh, the trooper will call and say, hey, they, this just happened. I wanted you to know. And the post commander is able to log into a computer, wow. pull it up and watch that video within five or 10 minutes. But the general transmission of that data is officer not involved. Not involved. Yeah, there's there's no real user saving. interaction. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So they're spending, instead of spending hours per week messing with the video, trying to make sure that it's all saved, they don't have to do anything right. anymore. Right, right getting them out of the AV role yes. into, <laughs> into the policing role. So I can imagine that deploying technology like that, there's a lot of conversations that go on. How does that go down? Uh, so we, when we first decided we were going to do this, because we are a statewide organization, uh, we had um, you know 1,300 cars. Uh, we had over 30 posts kind of throughout the state. We had to figure out, okay, how we're going to do a complete system upgrade for all of our cars, which meant almost a year long, we called it a state tour, uh, where our personnel and work with, uh, we're supported by the Department of Technology Management and Budget in Michigan, uh, which is another state department that helps us uh, with our radio systems and our technology in the car too. And so we had to kind of coordinate that and then with a, a vendor to help install these camera systems because there's a lot of wires and oh, yeah. electronics and everything that go along with it. Uh, so it was really a, a coordination issue uh, statewide. And we would show up to a post and do all the cars at that post uh, over the course of a couple weeks and then move to another work site. And we just kind of traveled around the state to do that. It was not cheap. We had a lot of buy-in from the organization uh, to do something like this uh, because it was just it was going to be so worthwhile for accountability other than watching something live there's really nothing better than 
video. Right. Video and audio, and you can see what actually happened. Because uh, people remember things differently. Right. Residents remember things differently. Police officers remember things differently. You have to be aware that the camera sees things that the officer may, may not see. Right. But it's really kind of helped significantly. So when we first rolled this out, troopers were concerned about body-worn cameras because this is, you know, 2019. Yeah. And, you know, body-worn cameras were really starting to become discussed and, uh, you know, people are talking about them and, and it was a new technology. So right. with any new technology, people aren't sure Skepticism. they want it. Skepticism. Right. And so we deployed it and we did not do body-worn cameras to begin with because we didn't have the money. And then we applied for a federal grant a couple of years ago so last year we did the same kind of thing where we traveled the, across the entire state uh, and deployed body-worn cameras to roughly 1,600 of our enforcement members. It got to the point before we were deploying it that, you remember in, in 2019, they were like, well, I don't want a body camera. By the time 2022 came around, 2021, when's my body camera yeah. coming? Yeah, when are you coming to our, yeah. So we- uh, Could you hurry up and get here? Yeah, right. I need this, you know. I, yeah. the, people are saying things are happening that are not happening, and I, I need the, the right. video evidence to back me up. So when we uh, were going to deploy the body-worn cameras, we wanted to go with the same system because we didn't want to have to have video storage from the body camera stored one place, right. the in-car stored another place. Right. And we want it to be, again, as seamless as possible so the trooper doesn't have to interact with it. So we kind of worked with the vendors, uh, came up with a system so that the body camera, you would have to dock it into the docking station in the car, but then it would offload, kind of pair everything up and make it all one incident, and it would offload oh, to the cloud. Okay. Last month, we turned on Wi-Fi offloading. So the body-worn camera offloads remotely to the car, no trooper interaction at all. Like I said, my whole goal is to not have the trooper have to <laughs> right, do anything. Right, right. Well, that's where you really get widespread adoption too, right? Yes. Easy to use and it helps me do my job. Sign me up, yeah, right? It's just there. It just right. happens. It's magic. You spent many years on patrol and maybe you still do. How did you cross over into this technology role? Like what drew you to it? My career history is really weird. It's not your standard. They always are. Uh, it's not your standard. The good ones always are. Right. Uh, so I worked the road uh, for about seven years and then I went and and I was a sergeant in, uh, we call it legislative liaison, which is, okay. uh, I was the department's in-house lobbyist. I would, uh, you know, kind of work with the legislature on, you know, getting bills passed. I went to law school and then I was the department's kind of in-house legal coordinator uh, with the attorney general's office, who they're, they're our actual legal counsel. And then I started out uh, doing the department standards uh, section, which was like headquarters inspection and, and compliance uh, department policy. I went to Flint as the post commander uh, and I was a post commander there when Flint was the most violent city in the country. We started started Secure Cities, uh, which is a whole different effort. I could talk for hours about Secure Cities uh, in Michigan to just try and provide the proactive law enforcement uh, and to kind of beef up the detective capabilities, you know, just sheer volume of manpower. From there, I went to uh, Special Operations Division, which is where all the toys are, Aviation, <laughs> Bomb Squad, K-9, Dive Team. Then it was Intelligence Operations Division, okay. which is where we had cybercrime too. So that's oh. that's really kind of what I got involved in, in computers and in cybercrime, along with uh, you know intelligence. Uh, then I went to Human resources and uh, from human resources to information technology. So just your standard, normal, straight path. Yeah, that is, path. yeah, straight line, yeah. shortest path between two points, right? Yeah, okay. But you just definitely had to have had a passion for technology or developed it along the way. I developed it along the way. It was uh, one of those things that I'm always trying to work smarter, not harder. Uh, uh -huh. And what can we do to uh, make life as easy as possible? And so, you know, we, in information technology division, we also run all the IT project management uh, kind of for the department. We do more than just the cars. We have more technology in the car than 
the car is worth, you know, between the computer and radio communication systems and camera systems and everything else. So we're really trying to figure out how to account for all that too. So we're just starting a project now uh, that will attaching RFID tags to all this electronic equipment and uh, putting readers in the car. So when you start the car, it'll inventory it all because... Mobile device management. Yes. Yeah. Wow. So it's got to be rewarding when you're responsible or part of the team that's responsible for deploying the technology. And then you see this technology really have an impact on a situation or an event. Can you talk about maybe one that comes to mind where you really saw it come to fruition for you? There's a story very early on. Uh, You know, when I talked about the the trooper had the pursuit and the uh, the crash and called their post commander, this member, so when I was in labor relations, I, I got to know this trooper as one would get to know somebody in labor relations. It was a good trooper, just made some poor decisions throughout his his career. And so for some reason, he was an early adopter of our NCAR camera system. He had this incident where he started a pursuit and we have, we have a no pursuit policy, you know, barring extenuating circumstances. So he turned on his lights, person took off. You can see in the camera where he breaks, he turns off his lights, he goes the direction that the guy was going, but is going the speed limit because you can see all right. the metadata. So this trooper is doing everything right. right. Turns a corner because people are directing him. The suspect had crashed his car. And so the trooper kind of pulls up next to him, chases him for 20 yards, makes an arrest. Everything is is done perfectly. And so this was a member who, like I said, had had some struggles. Right. I don't think it's because of the camera system, but the camera system definitely demonstrated that he did everything right. And I think this was somebody who then began singing the praises because the camera angles were better. The view was wider. uh, It was more clear. And uh, we got buy-in from him. And then lo and behold, we started to get in it just word of mouth. Yeah. He became a champion for it. Yeah. Because people might have doubted how he made that arrest in, without in any the old days before. without all that. Yeah. yeah. That's awesome. I love that, you know, sort of redemption story. So we've covered a lot here and talked about how the technology helps the officers, which is so important from a bigger perspective, from a higher level, it's about public safety too, right? And so how do you think the technology is impacting emergency response and how we kind of better serve citizens? I think we're getting better information uh, sooner. And and this is only going to improve as we go through time. In the communication between, you know, the troopers, the deputies, the officers, uh, we have a, a radio system in Michigan that not everybody is on, but most agencies are on for interoperable communication. And um, when like when we had the MSU shooter uh, incident, it was interesting to listen to that radio traffic at home and to talk to my members that responded out there to where we're all in this together and everybody was able to switch to a similar radio channel and take care of everything there uh, pretty seamlessly. So the more technology can make uh, our jobs not only easier, but more efficient and increase cooperation, not just with other agencies, but also with, with the public. The better the technology is and the less user interaction there has to be, the better the public is going to see what we're doing all the time. And nothing gets community buy-in like them actually understanding what you're doing and why. We'll close with that. That was so well said. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me. Before we sign off, if you've enjoyed today's podcast, you can help us grow by visiting our feed on iTunes to rate, review, and subscribe. Or if you listen on Spotify, be sure to hit follow. That's it for us. I'm Susan Campbell, and that was another episode of The Big Rethink. Rethink.